Hello, everyone. I'm really excited to be sharing with you again from the book of Colossians. And we're continuing in our series of Strength for the Struggle. First week, first day, we spoke about strength through prayer. How Jesus has promised us that if we ask for things in his name, according to his will, for his purposes, in his plans, all good things, then he will give them to us. That's a wonderful promise that we have in Jesus. And it's a good thing we have it because we need it. The Christian life is something that we cannot do on our own. We need help. We can look inside our own lives and see that we don't measure up to even our own standards. And that's why we need Jesus' help. Today, we're continuing looking at our strength in Jesus. And as you can see, I've entitled this one, Indestructible Faith. A faith that cannot be shaken, cannot be destroyed, cannot be moved one that is completely secure. And that's awesome to think about, what if my faith was like that? What if I truly believed and trusted in Jesus so much that nothing could destroy my faith? That would give me a lot of surety, a lot of confidence, a lot of strength in my everyday life. So, I've got more questions for you. I'd like you to break off into your pairs or triplets, small groups for the next few minutes and discuss these questions with each other. And then we're going to have a time of you guys shouting out the answers that you've come up with. So go ahead for a few minutes and be speaking. All right, everyone, let's bring it in again. Get your focus up here. So the first question that I hope you discussed was what are two reasons that God sent Jesus? I'm looking for more than two answers because ask any three people and they'll give you more than just the two same answers. So uh, let's hear some of your answers. What have you come up with? Uh, in the front? Mm -hmm. Sure. To save us from our sins and to let us know God says, I am here for you. Awesome. Someone else? Because he loves us. Absolutely. Amen. To give us an example how we should live like Jesus. So I have one more person here. To give us a new life away from the sinful world. I love it. Okay. Question two. What are three ways to grow in your faith? You don't have to give me three answers. If you come up with one, that's great. Go to church. That's right. There's teaching there. There's worship there. Awesome. Pray to God. What an awesome way to grow in your relationship with someone by talking to them. Share your beliefs with other people. You will understand what you believe so much better when you share it with someone else. Absolutely. Read the Bible. How do we find out what God tells us? We look to what he has written. Amen. Being honest with the people you're close with. Other people love to help each other grow in their relationships with God if 
we are open and honest. Awesome. Love that answer. Unless there's one more, we'll move on. Yep, cool. Indestructible faith. The big idea for you note-takers that you can write down, and if, even if you don't take notes, what I want you to think about and walk away from tonight with is this. You need to establish, make solid, grow, develop your faith. To sum it up, you need to establish your faith. So, we talked about how Jesus is the only one who can give you strength to stand firm in your faith. You go to anyone else, any other person, they've got their own hang-ups. They've got their own issues, problems, dramas, dilemmas, questions, struggles. And so if you're looking towards anyone else for the strength that you need to navigate your life, they might be able to give you some, even a lot, but they won't give you enough because only Jesus offers enough. And so what we're going to do, looking through this passage, we're going to be rushing through it at blinding speed. I could spend easily the whole camp in just this passage that we're going through tonight. I'm going to rush through it with you all. We're going to be looking at Jesus' divine identity. Who is Jesus? First of all, Jesus is the creator. Colossians 1 verse 16. It's talking about Jesus. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, no matter what, all things were created through him and for him. So the purpose of anything existing is according to Jesus' purpose. And the reason anything exists is because Jesus created it. Jesus is the creator. But not only that, he's the sustainer. To sustain something means to keep it going. We're going to keep on reading verse 17. And he, this is Jesus, is before all things. And in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. To put it negatively, without Jesus, everything falls apart. That's true in my own life. When I ignore Jesus and pursue whatever else I want, things fall apart. But it's not just your inner life, it's the entire universe. Every single atom making up every single cell in your body, every planet rotating around every star in the galaxy, the whole universe is holding together because Jesus is keeping it that way. There is nothing out of Jesus' control makes it keep on going for so many reasons. He loves us. He wants to show his power. He wants to display his glory and for our enjoyment. He's creator. He's sustainer. He's the reconciler. We're going to spend a little bit of time in this because you've probably heard of the word reconcile or reconciliation, but maybe you don't fully understand it. So we're going to look at Colossians 1.20. You can open your Bibles. 
and read with me. It says, we'll start in verse 19. It says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus was completely God. And through him all the fullness of God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things. In other words, God used Jesus to reconcile everything to himself. So, this sounds important. God reconciles everything. What is reconciliation? Well, before we go to that passage there, I'm going to tell you where the word comes from. In ancient Rome, they had a word called reconciliare, which means to bring back together with intensive force. So to reconcile is to bring two things back together. And in our relationship with God, when God reconciles us, he brings us back to himself. He makes us right with him. So, we're going to spend a little bit of time in Romans. I would love it if you would all open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Looking at what is reconciliation. We're going to be starting in verse 6 and going to verse 11. I'll read this out to you. Pay attention to each and every word. For. So he's explaining something he's just said. He's just said we have hope in Jesus. For while we were still weak in our sin, in our brokenness, in our relationships, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. In other words, people care about themselves a lot to the point where even if there's a good person who's going to die, I would not want to sacrifice myself for them because I care a lot about myself. That's what Paul is saying here. One would scarcely die for a righteous person, but maybe, just maybe, one would dare to sacrifice themselves for a good person. Okay, so a good person is worthy of sacrifice for. But here's the problem. We're not good people. Because we see in our lives this sin, this thing that's turning away from God. Do we lie? Do we cheat? Do we get angry at people when we shouldn't? We know that we've done a few bad things. For me, I've done a lot of bad things during my life. Here's one of the most amazing sentences in the Bible. But God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing. And since we've been justified, that means just as if I'd never sinned, since we've been justified by Jesus' blood, much more shall we be saved by Jesus from the wrath of God, from the punishment that we deserve. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, brought back together with God by the death of His Son, Jesus, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by Jesus' life. More than that, 
we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have reconciliation. Okay, let's unpack that a bit. Why does reconciliation happen? Because God loves you. While we were still weak and bad and ungodly, God sent Jesus to save us, to show us his love. I don't know if you feel loved. Maybe that's something you really struggle with. For a while, in my teenage years, I didn't feel loved. I had a great family. They cared about me a lot. I had friends who cared about me. But I just looked inside and I thought, I don't like what I see. And if people really knew me, they wouldn't want anything to do with me. Maybe that's how you feel. God sees every single thing about you. He knows who you are. He looks at you and he says, you are worth something. You are worth a whole lot. In fact, I'm going to send my own son to die on the cross for you. Even though you sin, even though you don't want to follow me, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. Why? Because I love you so much. We're brought back together to God because he loves us. How does it happen? Reconciliation happens by the death of Jesus. There is no other way to be made right with God because we can't do it on our own. It's like if you break the law and you're going to go to jail, but you cure cancer. You've done an amazing thing, an awesome thing. But you still broke the law in another way, and you have to be held accountable for that. In the same way, the good that you do does not get rid of the bad that you do, and there's a punishment for that. Jesus took that punishment for you when he died on the cross so that you won't have to face it. You're brought back together with God. You're reconciled through the death of Jesus. And one more thing, I just want to make this so crystal clear. You're not still being reconciled because you've been reconciled. There's not, oh, I still have to walk towards being right with God. God looks at you and he sees that you are as perfect as Jesus. Not because you have lived a perfect life, but because Jesus gave you his clean record, his guilt-free record. Jesus said, when you, God, look at all of these people who have put their trust in me, don't see what they've done, see what I've done. I've lived a perfect life, and you should treat them like they have. And God says, okay, because you died for them, you took their punishment, I will look at them with so much love, so much forgiveness, so much grace, it's like they've never even done anything wrong. Because God loves you. So if I've been reconciled, if I've been made right with God, why do I still sin? Why do I still mess up? Why do I still do the things that I don't want to do? Well, you have been brought back together into a relationship with God. But we've still got this baggage. There's another word, sanctification. That just means being made holy. You can forget that word exists for all I care. Because the point is that every single day that we walk with God, we read the Bible, we pray, we tell others about Jesus, we ask questions about God and our relationship with Him. Every day that we do that, we are slowly becoming more like Jesus. 
every single day of our lives, if we are walking with God, then we will be more and more becoming like Him. If you're a Christian, God has reconciled you. How can you know? How do I know I've been reconciled? Because I don't really feel like it. I've still got these bad feelings, and I I know that I've still got a desire to sin, so how do I really know that I've been saved? We're going to read verses 21 to 23 together. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. It says, You who once were alienated. How were you before you knew Jesus? Alienated, separated from God. How were you before you knew Jesus? You were hostile in mind. And to help you understand this, I'll give an example. When I was really little and I was told, David, you're not allowed to take the fire starter off of the shelf because it's dangerous and you could hurt yourself. I thought to myself, I know what the rules are, but I want to do that. And so I'm going to do that. And because of my foolishness, my disobedience, I ended up hurting my sister with that fire starter. You see, we're hostile in our minds to what we know to be right. And there are consequences for that. We were alienated, hostile in mind. We were doing evil deeds. I don't think I need to reinforce this anymore. You look at your life, you see, man, there's sin there. But we've been reconciled if you have put your trust in Jesus. So how do I know that I've been reconciled? Well, You'll know if you continue in the faith. If you keep on pursuing God, even after you mess up, you sin, you pick yourself up again and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to live for you, and you make an effort to live the right way. And you're going to fall down again, and again, and again, because we're not there yet, we're not to heaven yet. we still got this sin. But the more you're following God, the more you're putting your trust in Him and trying to get to know him more, then the more you'll be able to live that life. You will know that you've been reconciled if you continue stable and steadfast. That doesn't mean that you don't have doubts. It really doesn't. I have doubts all the time. Does God really love me? Am I really doing the right thing by putting my trust in him? Is this really the best choice for me? But... Keep on coming back to God. I read his word and I see his promises and I know how good he is. Even if I don't feel it in my heart, if I know it's true, then I can say, God, my emotions aren't here right now. I'm having trouble feeling like a Christian. And I'm having trouble feeling like I ought to do the right thing and wanting to do the right thing. But I know that it's the right thing to follow you. And so even though my feelings aren't there yet, I'm going to keep on chasing after you and praying and praying and praying because I know that you'll answer my prayers if I ask you for what you want to do. And I am asking you, God, to get my mind and my heart in line following you. God will answer that 
prayer. You'll know you are reconciled if you continue not shifting from the hope of the gospel. If you've heard the gospel, even if you sin, if you still trust in what Jesus did, if you know that your sins are covered, even though you feel bad, pick yourself up again. God will see that. And more importantly, you can know that you've been saved. So, what, what does that mean? I mean, if the purpose of God reconciling us is so that one day we'll live in a way that is pleasing to God, but we don't live in that way now, I thought, you know, you, I, I'm saved. Awesome. Yes. Did it. Or God did it. And it's done, right? But we're not there yet. Salvation is not the destination. It's not the end of your journey. It's the beginning of your new life. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new is here. And if you're a Christian, then that means that you've just started to walk with God. And you've got your whole life ahead of you to do that. And God will give you the strength to do that. And that's awesome because you're going to need that strength. We talked yesterday about that struggle for holiness, right? The struggle, I'll go ahead and read these passages. Colossians 1, 3-5. Paul says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith. Okay, Christians need to have faith. And the love that you have. Christians need to be loving because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. We need to be hopeful, looking towards the future. And then in verses 9 and 10, he says, We've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a way pleasing to God. We've got this struggle inside to live in a holy way. But not only that, We've also got an outer struggle to make Jesus known. Read the next five verses of our passage with me. Verses 24 to 29. Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my faith I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. That's not saying Christ didn't do enough. He did do enough. But now Jesus is in heaven, and it's Paul's place to suffer on earth so that God's work may be done. And it's not just Paul's, it's our place to do the hard stuff, to get God's word out. He says, the gospel of which I became a minister according to what God gave me. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to Christians. He's talking about the message of how to be saved. To them, to us. God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, that's us, are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Jesus in you. Jesus is our hope for glory. Now listen carefully. Him we proclaim. Proclaim means shout out to the world. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. 
Now, I don't have too much time to spend on this, so I'm just going to say one or two things about this passage. Him we proclaim, Jesus. If you're a Christian, then it is your job to tell other people about Jesus. Becoming a Christian is not the end. You can't say, okay, I did it. No, becoming a Christian means that you realize how big a job there is to do. Because other people do not have a relationship with God. And if you are sitting in this audience right now thinking, hey, that's me. And hearing this stuff about the gospel, about putting your trust in Jesus, about following him with everything. I haven't done that. I'm not there. Then this passage is still really, really important to you. Because I am telling you right now, you need to be made right with God. You need to put your trust in Him. And to the Christians in the audience, you have a job to do. Him we proclaim, warning everyone. Heaven and hell, that's real. And teaching everyone, there is a way to be saved. With all wisdom, His name is Jesus. Let me tell you about Him. My best friend, my Savior, my Lord. Why do we do this? Why do we share the gospel? So that we may present, verse 28, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So that our friends, our family, our classmates, our workmates, the people that we know, the people that we love, so that they can share in how great and wonderful Jesus is and spend forever with Him and worship Him. That is the ultimate goal of every single person who puts their trust in Jesus, to make His name known. Are you going to do it? Do you love Jesus enough to share Him with the people that you care about? If you love Jesus, you will keep His commandments. And He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I have commanded. That is your job. And it's a big job, and you need to trust in Jesus to give you the strength. <sighs> Finally, we have a, a struggle to build up other Christians as well. Real quick, the first four verses of chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. The word struggle here in Greek is agonisma. It is where we get the word agony from. Paul is in agony to build the church up. He says, I have a struggle for you and for all of those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. In other words, Paul was struggling for you and you and you and you and me, every single person who trusts in Jesus. Paul was struggling for them. Why? Verse 2, so that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Knit together in love and encouraged. Why? To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Why? Do we work so hard to build others up so that they can know I'm reconciled to God. He made me right with Him. He's brought me back to Him. Hallelujah! That means praise God. 
because He saved me. And I know that for sure. And I want all of you to know for sure that if you put your trust in Jesus, there is nothing, neither height nor depth, nor war, nor peace, nor famine, nor anything, height, nor depth, nor breadth, can separate you from the love of God. But you just have to say, yes, I surrender my life. I can't control it. I've tried. Won't you help me, Jesus? Can you take the burden for me? If that's not a prayer that you've prayed, then you're in trouble. Because you cannot do this life on your own. And if you have prayed that prayer and you do love Jesus, be careful. Even now, you cannot do this on your own. It's not a come in, tidy things up, and leave thing on Jesus' part. You have to have Him in your heart, following Him at all times, or things will fall apart. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7, and then we'll wrap up. Therefore, pay attention. All of this has been leading up to this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, you put your trust in Him, you gave Him control of your life, you said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. If you did this, then walk in Him. How can you say these glorious, wonderful words, I surrender, take my life, Jesus, and then keep on living like someone who is dead in their sin? Like James, the person from our story yesterday, did. He's reading the Bible, he's praying, but we can see that he has not put his trust in Jesus because he's living life on his own terms and he sees it's falling apart and he hates that. Don't let that be you. Put your trust in Jesus. Whether you're Christian or not, you need to walk in Jesus' ways. Walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, there are three things there, rooted and built up and established. I'm just focusing on established. I don't have enough time to go through it all. How do I establish my faith? How do I build it up? How do I make it strong and mighty and indestructible so that I never have to worry even if I have questions or doubts, I can always say, even though I don't have the answer, Jesus does, and I'm going to go with Him. How can I know that my faith is true? Start by going back to yesterday's lesson and pray. I can't emphasize this enough. If you don't talk to God, if you don't listen to Him in prayer, if you don't bring your heart before Him, how are you supposed to have a relationship with Him? How are you supposed to respond to what He's telling you? Pray, please, for the love of your Savior, Jesus. Pray. Secondly, study the Bible. I'm serious, alright? This book here, right here, will change your life forever if you let it. Study. Don't just read a story and walk away. Ask yourself and pray to God, what are you trying to teach me? Unless you reveal it to me, God, I won't know and I won't be able to grow in you and I won't be able to live the way that you want me to. So show me 
what you're trying to say, God, because I can't see it unless your Holy Spirit is at work in me. Make that your prayer when you read the Bible. And don't just read it, study it. Don't just study it alone. Study it with other people. If you're not part of a small group, then you are seriously missing out on an opportunity to know God on a deeper level. And you do not want to miss out on that. Finally, spend time with other Christians. Fellowship is not just going to a movie, having your friend over, and you're a Christian, and they're a Christian, and so that's fellowship. No. Fellowship is living with other Christians while you're walking in God. It means praying with other people. It means studying the Bible with other people. You catch up on a Sunday after the morning service, let's say, with your friend, and you both go to church, and you say, hey, what did you think of that message? How, how is that going to affect your life? Let me share you what I've been thinking about it. Or maybe you know that your friend's going through a really hard time, and you're both Christians, and you just say, mate, I'm going to pray for you. I know you've been going through a hard time. Not only am I going to pray for you, I'm going to be here for you. Hey, I was reading the Bible the other day and I came across this passage that I think is really encouraging for me. It might be helpful for you. Let me share that with you. Live the Christian life with other people. Otherwise, you won't be able to grow deeply. It's just the way it works. God designed us for community. And if you're not in Christian community, I don't just mean going to church and going home. I mean with other Christians for the purpose of worshiping God in your everyday life. If you are not living that kind of way, then you are missing out. And you could be growing so much deeper with Jesus. So pray. Read and study the Bible. And spend time with other Christians living and walking in Jesus. It's so simple. How hard is it to have a conversation with God? How hard is it to set aside 30 or 15 or even 10 minutes just to read what the creator of the universe is trying to communicate to you? How can you put that off? And then spend time with other Christians to be accountable, to help each other understand when they've got something that they're not sure of, or to be encouraged when you need help. That's what your Christian family is for. And if you've been listening and you're like, man, I, I don't have Jesus. He's not a part of my life. This can be a turning point for you. This here tonight could be the point in eternity when you walk out of the domain of darkness. Do you remember that in in chapter 1, he says, He has delivered us, verse 13, He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That could be you tonight, right now. Are you going to make a decision for Christ and give your life to Him? And if you have been walking with God, but you can see my relationship with Him is not where it needs to be. I am so far from Him. I haven't been doing this stuff. I need help. Tonight can be a turning point. 
And I really mean that. And it's not just me saying it. It's right here in the Bible. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray. And this prayer reflects the reality of my heart. You can say words, even words that say, I'm sorry, forgive me, be my Lord and Savior. But if that's not a reality in your heart, then it means nothing. God cares about your heart. If you are at that point, I need to be saved, God. Or I need to turn my life around and start following you like I mean it. Then join with me in this prayer. I'm going to get everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm going to pray. And if this is you, if this is where you're at, then I want you to pray with me in the silence of your heart. God hears you. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, I know that you are the Lord, the creator, the sustainer, the reconciler. And I know that I cannot do this on my own. This life is so hard. And I don't meet up to your perfect standard. And I also know that you sent Jesus because you loved me. So that I don't have to suffer the punishment that I deserve, which is hell. But you died on that cross, Jesus, so that I wouldn't have to. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I want to follow you. I want to trust in you. And let you give me the strength I need for this life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your heads bowed. You're still doing business with God. If this was you tonight, what I want you to do, all our eyes are closed, all our heads are bowed, and if they're not, please do so now. Just raise your hand and put it back down if this was you tonight. God's reaching out to you. Thank you. God's calling on you to change your life for Him. Hands up, hands down. Thank you. I'm going to pray again. Lord, you're so good to us. You sent Jesus. Thank you. There's nothing we could ever do to repay you, but we want to live in a way that pleases you. We want to love you more and more, and we know that you love us. So please help us. We don't have the strength, but you do because of who you are. And you are the deliverer. We trust in you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. You are our Lord. Amen. Now, guys, I don't want you to think that, oh, I've missed the chance. I should have done it. I should have raised my hand. It's okay. God is still here, and he's still reaching out to you. If it's something you want to do in the quietness of your own cabin, or talk to a leader a bit about do it tonight. Talk to me. Talk to your small group leader. Talk to one of the people who you look up to. Do it tonight. Don't let this get away from you. Thank you.